We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 67, Wizards Retort. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me this week. How are you, sir? I'm handsome. How are you, David? I am also handsome. I guess you could put it that way. My hair is really long. I need a haircut. Uh, just be thankful that you have hair and enjoy <laughs> it while it lasts, for you too one day may be an old bald man in a Hawaiian shirt. I I aspire to be such great things. <laughs> As you should. Uh, how are you this week? I'm doing really good, man. Things have been going great in the stream. I've been playing a lot of Arena, been playing some Dominaria. I even took a break and played uh, some Standard today on Magic Online. Uh, we built a deck around Approach of the Second Sun and Lich's Mastery. Obviously, we called it Son of a Lich. Uh, and it was actually a lot of fun. It, it didn't get to do the thing very often, but when it did the thing, it was so cool that it did the thing. Uh, and you just won the game on the spot. Uh, but but I've been having an absolute blast, really looking forward to drafting on Arena, uh, which will I will be doing by the time this podcast goes live. Yeah, I guess that launches this weekend, hey? Um, how's your success rate been in Dominaria so far? Pretty good. I've been predominantly focusing on, you know, on Sealed, and like I've done two PTQs that I 3-2'd that I could have fixed, but I got absolutely terrified uh, when my opponents would land Helm of the Host and just punted away games. Like, the card's just terrifying. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, there's a lot of must-answers in both creatures and artifacts and enchantments in this format. It's kind of cool to to see that you can a- attack the format from a bunch of different angles if you open, uh, you know, a bomb of any type. Um, I've been losing a lot to the uh, the Black Blade. Yeah. Uh, I, I lost to it t- twice, uh, once in a paper draft uh, on the weekend and then once online. And uh, aside from that, I've also been kind of doing pretty well in the format. Um a lot of two ones, a couple of trophies already. I think I'm up to two, maybe two trophies, not not quite three. Um, and uh, finding it a challenging and skill testing format. Um, I've missed a couple of lines to victory um, already, and I don't normally miss a lot of those, like swinging for lethal, for example. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going on in this format, and I do find it quite challenging. I have uh, stretched my magic playing muscles quite nicely, I would say, so far, and I'm really enjoying it, so... Yeah, same. I, I would put it in the same boat. I think I have one trophy out of four drafts, and I've probably done eight sealed events now. And most of those were at least getting something back, so predominantly three twos and four ones. Yeah, it's pretty tough to trophy in a sealed, right? You got to go five five zero to get those. Yeah, in the competitive sealed, yeah, yeah, they don't they don't give away many of those. So, um, so first things first, we're gonna do a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Uh, we have to remind everyone of the Patreon. It is the first uh, podcast of the month, so those of you that are subscribed to the Patreon and earn monthly rewards, come uh, drop us a message on there and come claim your your uh, your level of pr- uh, prize. Prize is the wrong word. Uh, reward. And uh, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can check us out on patreon.com slash menfrommoto and uh, drop us a line there. And uh, we thank all of our listeners, whether they are patrons or not. 
So this week, uh, we're going to start with uh, a lot of arena talk. It was kind of a, a big couple of weeks here for arena with uh, Dominaria launching and they've they've launched their events that I don't think we've actually talked about the events all that much have we not nearly enough now yeah um, and this week they had a they had a flash event which was kind of cool it was a 24-hour kind of test event that they did draft is coming up this weekend um, there's a lot of new people that are getting into the game it seems like they're giving away beta keys all the time so we thought this was a good opportunity to uh, kind of recenter ourselves around the arena. You know, Dominaria is going well on Magic Online. We'll probably come back to that a little bit later. But um, I think we're gonna we're gonna jam some arena here. Just like I've been playing arena, you've been playing arena. Everybody's been playing arena. It seems like we might as well talk about it some more. What do you, what yeah. do you think? I'm 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 on board. Let's do it. Okay. So first things first. Um, let's talk about the events that are going down and, and your experiences with those so far. So let's start with uh, with Quick Constructed. For those that don't know, Quick Constructed is kind of the alternative to ladder play. So when they introduced the the changes to the economy, they got rid of, rid of a lot of rewards for winning individual games. And, um, and they shifted a lot of those rewards to the Quick Constructed queue. So the Quick Constructed queue is you can spend 500 gold to enter. It's kind of like a league on Magic Online, for those of you that are familiar with that. You spend your 500 gold to enter... Uh, and then you play up to seven wins or three losses. And then depending on how many wins you get, you get a certain number uh, of prizes in return. Everybody that enters is guaranteed three uh, ICRs, so the uh, individual uh, card rewards. And, uh, and, and those are where the original card rewards went. So you used to get those from ladder play. You don't get those there anymore. Um, and now they've been offloaded into, into the Quick Constructed. And then for every win, you get 100 gold back um except at like six and seven wins i think you get 200 gold back for each of those so if you go seven seven wins you get a thousand gold back and if you go oh three you get 100 gold back plus your cards and the higher you go um i think at four or five wins you also get a rare card and all of these cards you earn have the chance to upgrade so if you have gold burning a hole in your pocket um or you just did your daily quests even uh you can jump into the quick constructed queue and you can try to get some value back uh if you if you think you have the chops, basically. Yeah, I, I would say that this is not gold burning a hole in your pocket. I would say if you have some gold and you finished all your quests, you have a competitive deck and you would like more gold, this is a great way to get it. Uh, we farmed, basically, is, is the word to say it, over the course of a couple days, 4,000 gold out of this. Got a bunch of cards, some of which upgraded. I had one 7-run uh, seven, seven win that procced two mythic wild card, two mythic cards and a rare. I have not gotten any wild cards out of this. I don't believe that you can, um, and I've played a lot of it. But I found this is a great way to get in and play because at four wins, you've got your entry fee back plus three cards, so you're already up value there. So like you just barely have to be better than fifty percent to pull it off. And then it's not that difficult to spike five wins and be up a hundred gold for the whole experience. Plus you're playing the game and it's fun. Mm-hmm. So at, if you finish your 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 sprint, um, you're guaranteed 100 gold back for zero wins. So you're only ever spending 400 gold. Mm-hmm. And if you if you like looking at it from an EV perspective is kind of tough. But if you compare it to the to a pack, so a pack is a thousand gold. And if you you know you you buy a pack, you're getting a guaranteed rare uh, or mythic, and then two uncommons, and then a bunch of commons, which are usually chaff. So you're really only focused on the the potential for wild cards and the rare and your uncommons, usually generally speaking. Um, so even if, if you go O three, you spent 400 gold on three uncommon wild cards with a chance for a rare. Well, not or, wild cards, just three sorry, uncommon cards, three, three uncommon cards with a chance for a rare. I apologize. Um, 
so if you if you do that twice and you, you're down 800 gold, you've essentially got most of a pack, or at least most of the good stuff out of the pack without the vault progress and without the wild cards. So you're trading a little bit of value there. Um, but if you're playing lands and spells, it's very difficult for a lot of people to go uh, 03, 03, I think, for, for in, with a lot of decks. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you might need something that's somewhat competitive, but even the out-of-the-gate starter decks should be able to spike a game or two or three some of the time so yes you may be losing gold but i think it it is potentially a better value proposition than buying packs now that being said if you don't really have a collection maybe buying packs is going to be the way to go instead Um, but if you have like you said uh, maybe a deck that can be competitive i think this is a really good way to um, grind out as many of these individual card rewards as you want which was kind of a large complaint of of people that were trying to grind this out to 30 wins a day where they'd get to 30 and they couldn't play anymore because there was nothing there for them. This is what what is the, what that is for. This is for the grinders. This is for the people that want to play endlessly, that have the gold resources to do it. Um, you know, they can, you know, you really only need a couple of thousand gold and be able to, to weather a couple of O3s here and there in a row um, in order to kind of just play infinitely in this format. Mm-hmm. You can do this as much as you want. I, I would say you will. I have certainly seen more competitive decks in quick constructed than I have in ladder play. So, like, be aware whatever your rank is, it doesn't matter here. You're predominantly going to be pe- playing people with really good decks. So, like, if you're taking your starter deck and looking to get your quest done, just do that in ranked play. That's the place for that. And my only real criticism of this, because I've enjoyed the format immensely, is I feel like looking at it for a new player, if I see ranked play and quick constructed, I might think, oh, okay, well, I don't want to be competitive, so I'll do the quick constructed thing. Because that sounds like just quick games, fun. So I, th- I think it might could use a little bit better name. Um, it, I, I know that it's it's like compared to something else constructed that we don't have yet, right? So I really need to see the whole picture. But it still feels like it could have been named like quick tournament, Mm-hmm. Right or best of one tournament or something like that. I, th- I think I would have liked that a little better. But as far as like playing in it and like the value proposition here, I've quite enjoyed these. Yeah. Um. Have you noticed an increase in like upgraded cards from this? I it might just be me, but I, I might just have a small sample size. But it seems like I've gotten a lot of upgraded cards from playing in this format. I've gotten from uh from a seven win run. I got two mythics and an uncommon. Uh, which normally you only get one rare, like expected one rare. Uh, from a five win, I got uh, uh, a mythic, a rare, and an uncommon. Again, you're only supposed to get, like, by default, one rare. Um, and then I've you, had an O3 get... that had two mythics in it. And it was kind of like, okay, this is great. <laughs> that is pretty great. You do are guaranteed two rares at six and seven wins. Oh, two rares. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was only one. But, e- I mean, either way, still, I've seen, like, a ridiculous number of upgrades, it seems, which is... Like, maybe I just didn't really recognize it before. Um, and the way that they've presented it here, it means that I'm seeing it more. And maybe it's the same rate as it was with the ICRs in the in the previous patch. Um, but it does feel like I am getting a lot of upgraded cards. And I mean, it still sucks to get a Mythic that you're never going to play. But like, I opened a Teferi today for an O3. And I'm like, great. Like, I hate O3ing, but at least I got a Teferi out of it. That seemed kind of cool. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed a, a higher proc rate. But li- like I said, I've been super happy with the way that it runs. Because I'm usually slightly ahead on gold uh and then in addition to that getting the three cards and it did eliminate that issue for me like i crafted mono red right off the bat because initially it was like hey just get as many wins as you can per day 
and we're good. And I'm like, cool. And then I figured out I could get 30 wins in about three hours if I really pushed it. And I'm like, oh, but I, I wanted to play this for like nine hours today and stream it. And now there's not really any reason to do it. This sucks. So I could take that modern red deck that I still have and grind it through these and like amass a small fortune. I, I'm ready to draft with gold uh, coming tomorrow. Yeah. And, and I do like that you can do your one daily quest and get one of these. Um, or you can do your, your four wins and get one of these, you know what I mean? Like it's, it, it feels like the price point is in a good spot. Um, and it feels like free to play players should be able to enjoy this. Even, even if you don't have a great deck, like it's very difficult for somebody to win less than 40% of the games that they play, um, less than 35% of the games that they play, unless they're incredibly new to the game, which I mean, you really can't really expect to win in those scenarios anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I think this will be a good way for people to, you know, even if they're seeing a slow decline in the amount of gold that they have when they play these, they're earning these cards, which is basically like earning packs without the vault progress and without the wild cards. So I think I think as an alternative to buying packs, I think it is a very good way to spend your money if you are a losing player or a less than 55% win rate player, which is about what you need to to break even in this format. Um, and then obviously anything better is just is just gravy. So yeah. And, and it sucks because I really enjoyed buying packs and cracking packs in previous iterations of this. But now I feel like I've reverted back into the the moto ways of just never crack your packs. Never never spend your gold on packs. Always do quick constructed. Always save it for draft. Um, there's no reason to crack packs for me anymore. And, and I'm going to miss that. But I mean, I, I can appreciate going back to my roots of, of Magic Online and never cracking packs. There is a really fun way to buy a pack of cards that uh, popped up for about 24 hours. Do tell, this is the Flash event that I didn't get to play. This is the Flash event. So a lot of people looked at it and didn't understand what it was and what it meant and were disappointed in it. But if you read it and understood what it was, it was a very fun way to buy a pack of cards. So for a 1,000 gold, you enter an event. You can get up to three wins or two losses, right? If you have zero wins, you get a, a pack of cards. That's what you get for a 1,000 gold. Oh, no, it actually went up to four. That's right. So if zero wins, you get your pack. One win, you still get your pack. No additional prizing. Then once you've hit two wins, that's when you get a, a chance at some extra stuff. And three wins gave you an extra chance for more stuff. Right? So like you're buying a pack and then you're going to play some some games to maybe get an upgrade or a discount. Usually it was about two to 400 gold back. Although once I got an extra pack. So you're like spinning the wheel on your pack and getting a guaranteed pack back and just playing a couple of games in the meantime. Yeah, it's almost like you went to the local game store and were like, hey, I'd like to buy a pack of Magic cards. And they said, would you like to play a few games? And if you can beat me twice, I'll give you 20% of the cost back. And you, if you're like, yeah, I wanted to play Magic. That's why I'm here. Like, that's great value. I'd do that all day if I wanted to buy the packs. Now, again, mm -hmm. the, the rewards aren't like, perfect if you're looking to grind or go infinite or make gold that's not what this was for but i was like you know i would like to buy a few packs i don't have as many as the dominaria cards as i'd like i'm absolutely happy to do this and play some games like it gave me content to stream and it was fun i got to play some constructed events and i saw some people in there with terrible decks that were just like hey i was gonna buy a pack anyway and this is just better value yeah i might i might as well just do it so i think i think a lot of people that are complaining about it didn't again they did like you said, they didn't see that that value proposition there. It wasn't for them. So somebody like me, if I wasn't going to buy packs, 
you know, and I went in there and, and, and did this event, I could see myself being disappointed because it's like, well, I'm buying into it. I wasn't going to buy a pack, but I want to see what this thing's all about. And then at the end, I get a pack or a pack and a couple hundred gold or something like that. I would be a little disappointed perhaps, but this is good, a good entry point for people that are new to the game that maybe don't have these great decks that are going to go in there and they're going to buy packs anyway. And they're going to get, some of them are going to get some kind of extra value out of it and feel like they were rewarded. And at the very least, you lose, you you miss out on the feel bads of of losing things like you would potentially in quick constructed, right? Mm-hmm. So this is this is where the people with maybe not so great decks can go, assuming that they have these frequently, to get extra value and maybe avoid the sharks, right? They they can be minnows in in the minnow pond of, of this flash event, um, and and you know play play janky decks, play new decks, whatever it is, get some value out of it. And and because it's only a thousand gold, I mean, you could do it with the cost of your you know your daily quest and your uh, and your uh, and your four wins in a day or whatever, right? You should have enough gold to buy a pack. It it makes absolutely no sense not to do that if you're if you're planning on buying packs. So I hope they do things like that in the future, and I hope they continue that um, and encourage people that are in that new player category. I guess I think would be the best player for this. I think the best news for us as arena players is that this wasn't announced anywhere. It just popped up on Twitter and it was there in the interface. So it shows a willingness from them to try new things, to hand us an event on the fly and just be like, Hey, here's this thing that you can do that you, you, you know, couldn't do yesterday. Try it out. So I like that they're trying these things. I'm excited to see what they might try in the future. And like I said, as long as you looked at this as a really fun way to buy a pack, I thought it was great value. Yeah, I think I think it's, it seemed really cool. I was disappointed that I didn't get a chance to play it, um, but I'm not so disappointed that I missed out on something because, like, you know, it wasn't necessarily for somebody like me, but not everything has to be. So I was, I was pretty happy to see that. So and um, trying to think of all the different things they could do with flash events in the future, right? Like you could do draft flash drafts, you could do flash sealed, I guess, eventually. You know, there's all sorts of things you could do to encourage people to... Um, to, to play the game, to log in, do their quests while getting some extra value out of the game. So really good for free to play, free to play players essentially, which is, mm-hmm. which is good because that's what everybody wants to do. They want to play magic for free. I wouldn't say that's what everybody wants to do. That's not what I want to do. As soon as they'll take PayPal, I'm dropping a hundred bucks on this easily. That's what the loud vocal majority of players want to do. They want to be able to play for free. Sure, but I mean, if they were any good, they'd be doing that on Magic Online already, right? I hadn't spent money on that in ages. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's just kind of a, a, a jab at the, uh, the the ongoing complaints about how the economy is constructed and how uh, free-to-play players have to play for months before they get any kind of value out of it. I I disagree with a lot of that, and, and I think that, you know, with a, with a lot of these events and, and the changes to the, to the gold structure, yes, I know we lost... Uh, ICRs. I know we lost those, um, but I think the quick constructed event and I think the the flash event I think caters to two types of free to play players. You know, the the skilled or the people that have been grinding their decks for a while, and the people that are new to the game that are buying packs. Um, and, I, and I think both of those are good. And I think there's only positive things going forward. Like every, it, it has been a constant improvement from when I started playing in the Ixalan version um, to now. And it's you know we're we're on the we're on the upswing here. And and I think that that the vocal majority just hasn't recognized that yet. Yeah, I agree. Also, I, I think there's a lot of people that this just isn't for, and that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to like things that, uh, that not like things that I do, for example. Yeah. For example, you have terrible taste in music and we're uh, still great friends. 
the you know one of these days travis one of these days pow straight to the moon mm-hmm. what about draft though so we haven't really seen this yet i mean you got to play around with it a little bit um and our first draft event hour of devastation uh and amon draft is coming out this weekend tomorrow actually uh friday as of the recording what uh what do you what do you think about that what what are we should we we look we be looking for when we're uh when we're drafting on arena well, we talked some about this last week and got a little bit into this, but just as a, a quick refresher and a, a, a like brain point to understand this, what we're doing is previewing a type of draft that is for new players. It's for somebody that's coming from Hearthstone, for example, and used to having plenty of time to pick between three cards. Because somebody who's very new at the game that's jumping in and it's like, okay, here's 14 cards. You don't know what any of them do. You have 45 seconds to pick the best one. Go. That's exceptionally intimidating. It doesn't intimidate us because we're used to drafting and we've done it plenty of times, but like it's not new player friendly. So what we have here is drafting against bots. That is AI. You're not drafting against other players. You're drafting against AI who are taking the position of those other players. You'll draft your deck and then you'll play it against other real players. In that draft, it's best of one games and the prizing is very, very heavily weighted towards giving you packs rather than giving you back the currency that you've entered with, which is gems or gold. So like, this is a way to build your collection and learn how to draft. We're all going to be doing that this weekend because we've been waiting forever to draft on Arena. But I envision a future, you know, a year from now, perhaps, perhaps even sooner, where this exists and is still there for new people to come in and play. But there's also a competitive draft where the prizes are more weighted towards returning what you use to enter, uh, as well as maybe giving you you know, a, a wild card or a rare card as a reward or something like that. And the prizes are a little more top heavy and they're best of three. So we can use our sideboards. But as far as this goes, if you've got 5,000 gold or you don't mind dropping a couple bucks, get in there and draft this weekend. It, it should be a lot of fun. And I, I'm excited about it. I, I think I mentioned last week that Hour of Devastation is my favorite format. I'm going to grind these all day Friday and all day Sunday. That's what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, so I'm taking a look at the price structure here again, and um, the math indicates, if I recall correctly, about a 75% win rate to break even. So you mm-hmm. are not breaking even in this format. Nobody's breaking even in this format, and that's something you need to recognize. Where you do get your value is out of the guaranteed boosters. So this we've seen this in, in Hearthstone. We've seen this in Eternal, where you will enter these limited events, and guaranteed at the end of it, you get a pack back right or you get two packs back so i remember in hearthstone um even if you went oh three uh you got like a couple of packs back or one pack back so you, you like the actual cost to enter the event if you were going to buy packs anyway was about 80 percent of your entry fee right if because you got the, this value back in eternal it was a little bit better and you're kind of looking at the same thing here so you get one to three that's one two or three eight card dominaria boosters for every draft entry that you do, as long as you finish it, right? So as long as you get your your three losses or seven wins, you're going to get these packs back. So there's no indication here as to the weighting of those or the average of those. But if you assume two packs average, um, it may be lower, it may be higher. You know, you're only necess- you're only spending essentially three thousand gold to enter these things. Um, Plus, you keep the cards from the three packs that you drafted. Exactly. So basically. You know, if, if you look at that and let's say you're going to get open three packs, you're probably not going to pick three rares. Sometimes you're going to get three rares that you can pick. Um, but if you get two two rares and a bunch of bunch of a couple of uncommons and a bunch of commons, right? Right there, even if you go 0-3, you're coming very close 
to the same value that you would get for 5,000 gold buying five packs of Dominaria or Rivals of Ixalan or whatever, with the exception of wild cards and with the exception of vault progress. But right? you're getting some vault progress. With the bonus of a shot at more rares, definitely getting more uncommons because there's only two in the packs that you open, but three in the packs that you draft with, and definitely getting more commons because instead of four, like you're getting a whole common run of them. Yes. So it's tough to know. It's tough to determine if you add it all together, but it looks like even if you go 03, you're not down a ton if you're if you're a free-to-play player, right? Yes, you're down your 5,000 gold, but you're probably getting, you know, 3,500, 4,000 gold back in value. It's really tough. I'd have to run down the, the math on, on your rares and stuff like that. But of course, you might get dud rares too. Like, who knows? You um, could get those in packs though. Like, this you is... Could, this is you functionally get the anyway. same as buying five packs. You just get to play a game with them. I would I would say it's very close to buying five packs. Um, so yes, you can't necessarily go infinite on drafting, and people will be sad about that. This is not for you. This is for people that want to build their collection um, and and get to draft at the same time, which is something that I'm very interested in doing. You know, I, I miss opening packs. Um, and I haven't spent any gold except on Quick Constructed since this update launched, and I feel real sad about it. Um, but with this, I'm guaranteed to open packs, which is fun. Um, I'm guaranteed to draft, which is fun. And then I get to play Magic, which I'm doing anyway. So it, it's kind of win-win-win for me, at least in the short term. And in, in addition, I, I will remind folks, this is geared at new players. The draft events that are for the Draftaholics are not made yet. They're working on those, and we will see them soon. Like, I happened to explain that on stream, and then uh, Chris Clay was in my chat and said, yes, that was exactly our thoughts. And I was like, oh, well, A, that's pretty cool that he came and hung out, and B, I'm glad that I figured out what they were doing here. Like, this is the new player experience draft. The, The stuff for us will be coming later. I feel like I need like a name drop alert button that I can press so that every time you drop a name, it's like, oh, Chris Clay was in my chat today. I can be like name drop. It was kind of a big deal. It was kind of a little bit of a big deal. Yeah, it was pretty cool that, that he stopped by and, and he answered a couple of questions in chat. He did it wasn't there very long, um, but it was really neat to see that, um, that, that the Wizards developers and community moderators and things like that, they actually care and they're reaching out to the community uh, for discussion, right? Like... Um, there was a an ask me anything on Reddit this week um, from who was it? Was it Chris Clay that did that one as I'm well? Pretty sure that was Chris too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so so it's good that they're out there soliciting feedback, answering questions, and things like that. Like you know, it may not seem like they're listening and that their feedback, you know, that your feedback is going unheard. Um, but we've seen a lot of positive changes even over the last couple of updates when it comes to um, changes in the interface, changes in the game, changes in the economy. So like. They are listening. They are reading our feedback. They're listening, maybe not to us specifically, but they are listening to to you in general. Um, so keep your feedback constructive, and and um, you know you can be critical. Just be constructive about it, and uh, and you know it may make a difference in the direction that the game goes. So it's very cool to see them out there and and hanging out in your chat. Speaking of constructive criticism, though, um, did you see uh, the professor's video about arena? I did. And I actually brought that up in the, the pre-show as something I, I wanted to take a minute to discuss. And I need to preface it with a couple things. The, the only reason I watched it is so many people were coming by my chat and asking me what my opinion on it was. And I was like, I don't actually have an opinion because I haven't watched it. I don't consume a lot of magic content these days. 
because like the stream is live for 48 hours. There's another 10 hours of work a week around that, like getting a deck set up, getting everything in order, like sending out emails and talking to stuff and tweeting and doing all this stuff. And then we record this podcast and I've got a, you have the harder job editing it for sure, but I still have to post it on mana deprived. So like I spend a lot of time doing magic stuff and don't really consume a whole lot of magic content. And I also think that his stuff isn't necessarily aimed at me in the like competitive player. So I really haven't ever watched any of his stuff, but I was like, you know, enough people are asking me about this. I need to go watch it. I was actually really impressed by the quality of his videos. And I thought he brought up some good points. Uh, He had some criticisms about Arena, many of which um, were just like, hey, it's in beta. And he he gave him that slide by saying that it was in the beginning. He said some stuff that I kind of disagreed with. And then he had another point that, like, when I first heard it, I was like, I kind of disagree with that. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, maybe the guy's got a point. So I wanted to kind of go over those and and nitpick this a little bit and and, like, basically just give a wizard's retort, if you will. All right, let's so so let's do it. So I haven't watched it yet. Um, not for lack of trying, just lack of not really uh, coming across it in any real in any real capacity. So I'll watch it after. But I think that we can discuss this. I think I know the gist of of some of his arguments here. So so let's go. Where do you want to start? Well, the first one was he said that there's not enough formats available on it currently, and he's right. But he did also mention that it was in beta, right? Like, I want my competitive drafts. I want to play sealed. I want to have full standard. And he said that it's very important for the game to get those. And and I agree. Like, they're working on that. That's coming. So no big deal there. He he also said that he thought it was going to be a big problem for people entering the game to be playing against people that had fully tooled out decks, and that that's a bit of a barrier to entry. And I I don't feel that that's an exactly fair criticism because like that's something that happened to me 20 years ago when I brought my blue cards I have deck to Fanboy Comics in Wilmington, North Carolina and got trounced by a stasis deck. Like I didn't even understand what was happening to me. It was just, I'm not taking any more turns. You're going to draw your entire deck. And when you finally try to cast a spell, I've got a force of will. It's like, oh my God, this is terrible. What just happened to me? Yeah, so, and that's the same for any Friday Night Magic these days, right? Is that if you go to your game store with your kitchen table magic deck, you're going to struggle. You you know, you're going to go 0413 or whatever. The The question is, is are you going to have a good time? Yeah. Um, now, I think that, you know, obviously you go to Friday Night Magic and there's Swiss pairing and you're going to get pared down eventually and you get to the, to the, you know, zero and X bracket and you got a chance at a buy in a pack or something like that. On Arena, I think they probably will do a better job of protecting the new player against that. Now, I know that, you know, the the theory is is that there's no matchmaking. Um, there does appear to be some kind of matchmaking. I've seen streams with people that have just gotten keys um, that are in the beginner's ranks, right? The the Before bronze, even, that are only playing against people that are in bronze or below or sometimes silver. Um so even if those people do have tooled out decks, you know, they're either moving up out of the ranks fast because they're winning a lot or they're not very good players and they're stuck in those ranks even though they have a tooled out deck, right? And in Magic, you know, it's very difficult. I've said this many times. It's very difficult to have a sub 40% win rate if you if you know how to play the game, if, if you 
have played enough to to know how to two for one your opponent, how to you know how to attack, how to block, you know things like that, right? If if you're a new player to the game and you're not very good, then I can see getting stomped, but you're gonna get stomped by people with equal decks anyway, right? Like that's just that's just something that's just gonna happen. That's how you learn the game. So you know they will improve matchmaking as the pool. Uh, the player base, the pool of players grows. The matchmaking will obviously continue to get better. Um, and I'm sure that behind the scenes, there's stuff that we don't even know is happening, right? Like, do they have a matchmaking rating? Do they have an, an ELO rating that they're using to match? Or are they just matching off rank? Um, are the people with pimped out decks going to go to quick constructed and leave regular ranked or casual play alone? Um, is there going to be a casual play ladder? Is there going to be a place um for new players to play and be isolated from everybody else we don't know those um you know so so i think i think i disagree with that a little bit you know i'm playing primarily against people that are gold or above i never see anybody less it seems um unless i'm playing quick constructed which is kind of bizarre to me that i'm seeing playing against bronze players in quick constructed you would think that uh maybe they would do matchmaking there too i don't really know i still think that's because people don't understand the name quick constructed and that they're actually entering a tournament Mm-hmm. So, so I, I have to disagree there. Um, and I think that the new player decks that everybody gets, I think in the hands of an average magic player, you should be able to win some number of games with that. You might not hit your four wins easily. It might be a struggle, um, but you're going to get paired up against people that are of equal skill or of equal deck um, or potentially both. At, at the end of the day, I don't disagree with him. I just think it's a problem that's not unique to uh, MTG Arena. I think it's mm-hmm. unique to Magic since its inception. It's certainly true of Magic Online, and it's also true of other digital CCGs too. Like I, I can remember the first card game I played that that was like not Go Fish was Spellfire, which was an awful game. It was terrible. Don't go try to find these cards. It's, it's just garbage. But like. The only way they could make the cards better was just to make them more powerful. So like when the new set came out, one of my friends bought a box of it and I bought a couple packs. I couldn't win. His deck was just too strong. It didn't matter how many times we played. It was awful, but like it was there in that game too. And it's it's going to be there in any of these games. So like, it's not like, again, that you can just take, you know, go to the local game shop, ask to borrow a Pro Tour winning deck and then play that in F&M. You're going to have to spend money to get to do these things. Yeah. And um, I, I know I did see on Twitter that he did have the suggestion of, you know, maybe you can buy the challenger decks. That sounds great to me. I I really don't see a problem with something like that, like buying full um, or mostly complete constructed decks for a reasonable amount of dollars or a reasonable amount of gems or gold or whatever. Um, I think I think it's a really good idea just in general. Um, and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. Yeah, that seems great to me. Now, yeah. one of the other things he mentioned in there was to help keep those new players kind of isolated and together was maybe having an event room where you could only play the pre-constructed decks. And I actually think that's kind of a bad idea. Uh, when I started playing Magic Online in the beta, I've been doing this for a long time. And one of the things they started doing was was this thing called Planeswalker decks. It's not the Planeswalker decks we're used to now, where you buy a pre-constructed that's kind of loosely themed around a Planeswalker and it's supposed to be casual. This was a special set of cards that they selected, gave gold borders, 
and gave the complete set to everyone that started a Magic Online account and then had like five pre-constructed decks made out of them. You could only play them against other Planeswalker decks and there was a special room to go play in. And the idea was you could go there and learn the mechanics of Magic Online and that justified you spending money to buy the program and you got this and you could play it for free. And like, I I really think that was a colossal failure on Magic Online, predominantly because you, you couldn't really find Magic Online unless you had played Paper Magic. It was literally just about getting used to the interface, and then you had these cards that were completely valueless. I, I also think it, it missed on another point, which is like the fun of Magic when you're beginning is, okay, I've got my blue and white cards that I own deck. I open a pack of cards, and here's a blue rare. Cool, I can put that in my deck. Like making your deck incrementally better as you play is one of the really fun aspects of this game. So when I I thought about that and was like, I don't like it, one of the things I think they could do that would be really cool and also super crazy resource intensive and probably not practical is maybe have leagues on here where it starts at a certain time. You can play the pre-constructed deck at the end of a week. You know, you get two packs to open and you can add that to your collection and then build from there. Like something like that could be fun. But I also don't really think it's necessary. Like, I spent... If, if anybody's interested, come to my stream, type exclamation point starter deck. I I built that blue-white tokens deck on stream that you suggested out of just the starter cards and then played it for like two hours. It's fine. Like, I wasn't getting 70% win rate or whatever, but I could beat the, the other competitive decks with that deck right out of the gate. So I, I think as long as, like you're willing to come in here and tinker with those decks a little bit, you can be competitive and you're probably going to play your way out of the starter deck zone relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Actually, maybe we should do a little bit on that deck at the end of it because um, we can talk about you know how you can take your starting collection and what to focus your wild cards on for a new player. And I think you can do that with a lot of the decks you start with. Like the vampire deck is a good starter uh, point for a... Uh, a black white tokens deck or even just the black white vampires deck which has game against a lot of things Mm -hmm. um the green white deck is very similar to the blue white deck in that you can play tokens with it and you can abuse anointed procession and things that recur from the graveyard and try to get value there um and with dominaria cards you can even upgrade that with a couple of packs if you get lucky with your opens so i think there's some good starting points there um and i and i I disagree with the starter deck ladder mostly because um, I don't think all the starter decks are equal. I think a lot of them are real bad. And what you'll end up with in that ladder is people just playing, you know, green-white tokens versus vampires or something like that. Um, And you won't see any kind of variety in there. So I I think, I think... I think think you want to encourage new players to explore their decks. And I, I do agree with you that you open a pack... And you're like, sweet, I got this awesome rare, I'm going to put it in my deck. And then now all of a sudden I can't play that deck in my, in this, this, uh, you know, starter deck ladder or something like that. Like I can't do that anymore. Um, and really all I want to do is just play with my cool new cards. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, that, that, that I think is the point. And I, I think with the quick constructed matches, they're doing a good job at trying to pull the people that want to play competitively towards something like that. Now we'll still see them in ladder because eventually they're going to do some sort of ranked rewards, right? Like again, Hearthstone and Eternal and all the other card games do that. So once they incentivize me to care about rank again, I'll care, but I've maxed, I've maxed out on rank. Like apparently once you hit master, you can't gain anymore. It's like, I just don't care about it anymore. Right. But like if every month they reset it and if I master, I get, you know, three free packs and a mythic wild card, 
I'm going to be master every month. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm sure there will be. They've talked about that. They've said that there will be some kind of reward system. They just haven't told us what those rewards look like and what the the timeline looks like. They haven't told us what the season looks like. So, mm-hmm. all right. And then the last big critique that came from him, and then I also want to talk about deck swapping. Remind me, I'm going to make a note, and we're going to put deck that in swapping. here. Because this okay. wasn't specifically from him, but a lot of people brought it up. But his last point, that initially I was like, no, nah, I disagree with you, dog. And then I listened to it and thought about it, and went back and watched it again. And I'm like, you know, maybe he has a point. Was it the economy? And when I say the economy, I mean specifically spending real American dollars for stuff in this game is a bit obtuse and it feels a bit necessarily unnecessarily so yes and so what you're referring to is you're referring to the translation between uh, real life dollars and gems and gold and then uh, gold and then potentially gold because you can also spend gold on a lot of the things you can spend gems on so the this is an an, an abstraction that is done by a lot of free to play games and not to say that whether it's right or it's wrong um, but this abstraction is used to kind of disassociate the value of your money that's in your wallet from the currency that's in the game. Um, you know, that could be for psychological reasons to encourage you to spend more of the in-game currency um, without having the association to your wallet. Um, you see this in a lot of iOS games, especially, um, you know, Clash of Clans or games like that. It's not just limited to Magic Arena. It's not just limited to card games, um, you know, like Eternal. Uh, Heroes of the Storm switched to this model. Overwatch has a similar model, I believe. Um, or like they have a Loot Crate model, which is even worse in some people's opinion. So it's it's kind of the plague of the free-to-play industry in which you're trying to get people to spend as much money as possible without realizing they're spending that much money. Um, so it, it is regarded in some circles and I don't necessarily agree or disagree as being scummy, quote unquote, um, because you're disconnecting that value. Now, it could be for legal reasons. Like, I don't know if there's some kind of gambling law that they have to stay away from. If they're going to give you um, gold in packs of cards, right? So if you buy a physical pack of cards and you get a, a ticket for some gold in game, I don't know if there has to be a disconnect there between the value of the currency in the game and the dollar value. Um, in real life or if or if they can just give you gems in game like i don't know if that's some rule that they have to follow um or if they're just doing it because all the other free-to-play models are that way or if they're doing it because they want to you know increase their margins and they want to basically make as much money as possible all three of those things could be true right um so so you know a lot of people don't like it i don't necessarily like it either um but i also can do math and I also can understand the relationship between the $5 in my pocket and the 750 gems on magic, uh, arena and the, the cost to enter a draft, which is essentially 5,000 gold. So you can actually sit there and do the math on this one. I think what a lot of these free to play games do with this gem model or, or the original purpose of it was, is so that, you know, people wouldn't do the math. Um, and they wouldn't realize that the 750 gems is $5 is one draft kind of thing. Right. Um, so, so it's it's tough. I, I can see the criticisms. Um, you know, I don't know the purpose behind it outside of what I can speculate. And um, I would hope that it's not being done for a scummy reason because, you know, free-to-play games have this reputation of being scummy in general. Um, you know, it's kind of a, a blanket, an umbrella that covers all of these types of games. So, 
you know, people following the same model, either they're, you know, doing it on purpose um, or they're just following it because it's a, a successful model. And it's hard to argue with the success of these quote unquote free to play games. Some of them make a lot of money on this model. Yeah. And I, you know, I was really ready to jump in and criticize it until I heard that from you. Cause my main criticism was like, I did all the math and it worked out to basically a dollar is worth somewhere around 1,350 gold. So why can't I just spend a dollar, get that amount of gold and not have these gems? Like why do this gem? Why have me do all these weird conversion rates and figure out like, what is this currency equal in that currency? I, Cause I just want to make it easy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just want to buy the amount. I also, in like this criticism still stands, I think we could just knock a zero off of everything that's in this game and it would make a lot more sense. Have, have packs cost a hundred gold, you, you know? Have your daily rewards give you 50 gold, right? Like have a draft cost 75 gems to enter, but that's neither here nor there. But the, the real thing that got me is when you were saying they may need to have the currency that you can spend real world dollars on separated from the in-game currency because they might want to give you the rewards in a paper pack. We already know that they've done that in New Zealand and that people went to a pre-release, opened packs and got cards like, hey, here's 200 gold in Arena, here's 1,000 gold in Arena, here's a free pack of cards in Arena, right? Whereas if they, if you could just buy the gold, there might be some weird gambling laws in you know, some country somewhere that's like you can't have people open a pack and then randomly give them an amount of money in it, right? It, exactly, and, and I'm not 100% certain on that. It's just pure speculation on my part, but I could, I could absolutely see that, right? Now, of course, that doesn't explain why other games do this, Right, like why Clash of Clans does this, and why uh, you know Eternal does this, for example. Hearthstone's really the only free-to-play game that I can think of off the top of my head that does not have an in-game currency that you cannot earn by playing the game. Right, so Hearthstone has dollars you can spend, and you can spend gold, and there's no quote-unquote gems. I can't think of another one that does that. Heart, uh, Heroes of the Storm didn't do that when I played it regularly, and then they mm-hmm. apparently switched to the gem model. Yeah, and maybe the gem model is so that you can, like, I guess another thing for the gem model is so that you can kind of balance the currency across the board. So I know you might be spending American dollar dues, but if I'm sp- spending Canadian loonies, um, I might get a different rate than you. Um, because you know there's the conversion rate so if i have to spend us dollars on it i have to spend ten thousand canadian dollars on it but (laughs) but maybe if i'm a canadian customer and i can buy in canadian dollars that they can give me a different rate on it so maybe it becomes that one of my dollars is 100 gems in the game and one of your dollars is also 100 gems in game and nobody has to do the conversion rate you know that's something possible there too is that you can have people buy in their local currency and it makes sense for that local currency based on the economy of, of that location, right? Like people in, I don't know, um, you know, somewhere in South America or something like that, where maybe the the income might not be up to where it is in North America, you know, maybe their conversion rate for dollars to gems is different. And you can encourage those people to continue to play for an amount that they can afford. That's pure speculation. And maybe that's like, you know... That's the optimist David saying that like, yeah, of course these people are totally pragmatic and they're totally going to like make sure that everybody around the world can play and can afford the game. And, um, you know, that's probably not the case, but I mean, it is a way to balance out currencies in in real life currencies to in-game currencies and have things be on like a one-to-one level um, instead of people having to buy American currency in order to play your game. 
Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Like those are all valid reasons to do that. And I wouldn't even necessarily say it's scummy, right? Like from my perspective, is it scummy that when I go to the grocery store and buy a soda, it's 99 cents? Like I know it's a dollar. I understand that you round it up, but like why does a a, a new car cost $19,999.99 cuz it's not $20,000, right? Mhm. So like and, and it's it's been that way forever, right? As, as as far back as we can look when it comes to advertising, it's it's always been that way. Yeah. So, and and that may also be scummy too, right? So, a, another complaint is that, you know, the gems that you buy don't necessarily break down into even amounts to buy packs uh, or to buy um, entries into events. I think the Quick Constructed is probably the worst example of that. It's like 95 gems. Like nowhere in the 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 matrix of buying gems or earning prizes back from drafts does do you ever get a like uh, like anything that doesn't divide by ten. Um, so it 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 kind of sucks there, and it kind of would suck to have gems left over. So I can totally see that complaint, and that is a problem of the free to play model, the gem model, um, is that you often end up with currency that you can't spend. Um, you know, it, it sucks. You see that in real life with gift cards. Like, that's how they get you with gift cards. Um, you know, I go to the store and I spend $48 out of my $50 gift card, and now I'm stuck with two. Like, am I just going to lose that money, or am I going to, like, go back to the store and spend that money and spend more money, right? So, you know, it, it it's the same thing, and yes, it does suck, but it is kind of everywhere in the world, the $0.99 cent problem, the gift card problem, um, and it's just something that that if you can do math, I think you'll realize that it's not that big of a problem um but where it does punish people and does prey on people are the people that don't necessarily do math and the people that can't see that connection between the dollar redos that they spend and the gems in game um and and the people that kind of fall subject they fall victim to those types of psychological purchasing models i think those are the people that do get punished and maybe there do need to be protections for those people one of the complaints is that um when you buy gem bundles is that you end up with these odd values like you can buy a 3400 gem model for what is it like $20 and you get 400 gems that you can't spend on anything because you can only buy three packs for 600 gems and it's like well this doesn't make any sense right like this sucks I think if you if you look at it from the other way where you've spent your $20 for 3000 gems and then they gave you a 400 gem bonus um, it's a little bit of a different perspective because if you buy the the lowest amount of gem gems that you can buy, you know, four times, you're spending the same amount of money. You're still spending twenty dollars, and you're getting three thousand gems. So if you're really worried about having those extra gems, you can just go make four transactions and get an even number of gems, and great, like you don't have to worry about it. Um, so yeah, so when they give you those bonus gems, you have those ones left over. It seems like it sucks, um, you know, and you might not have a use for them at at some point which also kind of sucks. You eventually um, will if you're ever going to spend money on the game again, though. Like, that's the or, idea. Or if you draft, right? Um, it, I, I do see that that argument, and it does kind of suck, but I think it's just, you know, I don't think it's as big of, a, of an issue. Um, and if it was, you can just spend less on the game, right? Like, you can just not spend your $20 and spend $10 instead or, or spend $5 four times and get your even amount of gems. Like, that's something you can do. So... I think I think aside from the protections for the people that don't necessarily understand that um, and, and don't necessarily understand the math behind it and may fall victim to, you know, the types of purchasing models that these types of games, you know, put on people, right? Like I've heard of people that spend tens of thousands of dollars on Clash of Clans and they're living in a trailer 
and you're kind of like well geez like what are you doing like shouldn't you be you know paying your bills and shouldn't you be you know I don't know, feeding your family and stuff like that. And I've read stories about people that fall victim to these types of, of models all the time. So I hope that that doesn't apply to arena. And there are things that maybe that they can do to prevent that. Um, but at some point the, the onus has to be on the, the people that are spending those dollars. I, I, I mean, yeah, I would say the onus is certainly on them. And I think you've brought up enough good points to have the gems that I, I'm kind of okay with it. I would still rather just buy gold, but if there's a chance that like, you know, th- that messes them up from putting gold in booster packs. Cause I'd probably go play in a pre-release if mm-hmm. I was going to get some gold in there and, you know, a chance at a pack. Cause like I'm almost on the edge of going to play pre-releases. I just don't want to leave the house. And like, that's just enough to shove me over the edge or to get me excited about cracking some packs that I went at a GP, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've got 200 or so packs just sitting in a box and I'm, I'm not doing anything with them, but if there was gold, I tell you in them packs, I'd be cracking them right now. Let's let's go mine some gold. Yeah, if they're yeah, the the New Zealand model sounded like it was a bit low for me. Like the fact that you could cap out at ten rewards, um, I didn't necessarily like that, and that doesn't drive me to go to my pre-release and drive me to to go buy packs that I wouldn't buy before. Um, but if there's no upper limit on those rewards, then I'm probably buying a box of Dominaria tomorrow. And like the kiddo and I were doing sealed heads up and then we're taking those, those redemption codes and we're plugging them into arena and then we're drafting Dominaria on arena, right? Like it's just going to trickle down. So um, I look forward to seeing, and I know that it was just a beta test and, and they were testing probably the system more than anything. So I look forward to seeing what they come out with. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about here was deck swapping Mm-hmm. So I've played for, what, have we had five or six weeks now? Oh God, I don't even know. It's probably been six. Something like that. I have a tier one mono red deck. It, it's got everything it's supposed to have. There's probably a card or two I could adjust, and that's metagame dependent. But I've I've got my Hazarets. I've got my Rekindling Phoenixes. I've got my Salt Scar Mages. I've got my Raminap Ruins. Like, it, it it's there. This is a, a scary deck for you to see in the quick constructed play. I've also got a fun deck that I built around Resolving Bolas. It's not good, but man, is his voiceover cool. And it's fun to go in the casual ladder and play with it some and just see if I can Bolas somebody out. And then I've also got a decent blue-white tokens deck based off the starter that we did. Haven't really focused on upgrading it, but I did randomly open some pieces for it. I've also got enough wild cards that I'm pretty darn close to being able to fully tweak that out if I wanted to, but I'm kind of saving them because I'm a little bit interested in maybe playing with some mono green stuff. And I Mm -hmm. may even want to try this Lich's Mastery approach of the second sun deck on arena because man, was it fun when it worked. All of that to say, I have not spent a dollar on this game. They don't take PayPal yet. That's where my game funds are. As soon as they do, I will. What I have heard reports from from other streamers as well as on Twitter and people that are playing is if you spend a hundred bucks to get twenty thousand gems, you can basically get a tier one deck out of that by opening packs. Usually, you'd buy a bundle from one set, a bundle from another set that had the majority of the cards that you wanted. Then you'd spend the wild cards on the things you didn't open, and then you've got your deck. So, generally speaking, you drop a hundred bucks, you got a tier one deck, you're good to go. What people have been complaining about, and, and what I've, I've heard a lot in, in stream and in chat, and even seen some on Twitter, is if I spend money on Magic Online to buy a deck, I can then sell that deck back for some of the amount that I used to purchase it, and then use that to buy another deck. 
So I went through and did the math, and most of the standard decks that you can play on Magic Online, if you're buying a good one, are about 200 bucks, and you're going to sell it back for about 120. So like, that's a lot of value you're losing there. Yeah, you're incinerating it, but you are recouping some of it, right? Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. in the end, you're paying eighty dollars to rent a deck, whereas in arena you can just pay a hundred and have it. Mm-hmm. And some of the cards will cross over, and you're going to accidentally open some of the cards you need for your next deck as you're opening packs for this one. Now you can't at any point cash out of arena, whereas you can cash out of Magic Online, and your collection does have some real world value. But like that's the biggest piece there. So like this was the argument for I need dusting so that I can dust my deck and then go make a new one. And I've done that in Hearthstone and it, it's a terrible mini game to play. It's not fun to go disenchant, you know, a hundred commons and the return rate is a fourth. If you dust a card, you get a fourth of what you need to make one of an equal rarity. Right? So like that's like spending $200 and then getting back $50 worth of value. That's not good. So like I don't want to play the mini game, and the value proposition was so bad that I just didn't want to do it. I'd rather spend the money, get the deck, play the game. So I, I still think people are like they think they're getting a better value when they spend two hundred dollars and then recoup one hundred and twenty of it. They're like, I got a good deal, and yeah, if if you time it just right and you buy at, at the right time and then sell at just the right time, like after the pro tour happened, you can actually get out having only spent around $20 to rent a deck. And like, if you put that much effort into playing the stock market, you could just buy Hasbro. <laughs> so like, maybe I, not quite, maybe but... that might be a little bit of hyperbole, but like the, the amount of, of effort people are putting in there to minimize what they're spending on magic online is like, put that effort into your job and you won't care about the $200 that this deck costs. Cause I, I really feel like for 250 you you could have basically every deck that you want to play in arena currently and i i anticipate that right now we're looking at having to buy from three different sets like imagine what you actually have a decent base built under you right mm-hmm. like there's only one new set coming out and you can save your gold you can save your wild cards for when the new set comes out i don't need a copy of every card from kaladesh to to play i just need the ones that go in the deck that i'm playing Right. So I can just save my wild cards from there. So like this argument that like you need a a dusting system so that we can deck swap or you need to be able to trade so that we can deck swap just doesn't hold any water with me. Like trading on magic online is already abysmal. You're selling to bots and you're usually getting tenths of a cent's worth of value for your commons and stuff like that, which is worse than the return rate anywhere else. And you, you can't cash that value in later. Like if you forget about bot credits with somebody and I, rem- I was here trading in Magic Online before there were bots. And let me tell you what, that was really awful. It was basically Craigslist in a bad interface. And the person might not be there to trade with you when you tried to open the trade and, and like trade your two dark rituals for their, you know, Mahamutai Jin. It was awful, dude. You know what? If we had trading, my number one argument against trading, if we had trading within a day of somebody you know, playing arena for the first time, they're going to log in and they're going to go trade. And they're like, sweet, I opened the Scarab God, but I don't want to play blue black. I want to go trade it for something. And then somebody convinces them to trade it for like an overwhelming or overflowing insight. It's like, look at this. You can spend all this mana and draw all these cards. Like it's mythic for mythic. Let's just do one to one. Yeah. And then that goes on Reddit. And then people are like, you got ripped off. 
and that person's like, oh man, I don't want to play this game anymore because somebody ripped me off. You know that's going to happen. It happens at, at Friday Night Magic with regular Magic players and people just go bananas on Reddit about it, about how scummy it is to trade like trade with a new player and give them absolutely zero value for their cards and the protections that people need to put in place and, or you need to be vigilant and you need to protect the new players and you need to say like, no, you can't trade that. Like, you know, pick something else out of his binder and I'll tell you if it's an equal trade. You're not going to have that on arena. Yeah. And, and that's and the gatekeeper. I don't want to be part of that. Yeah, I don't either. No, I don't so either. Like, forget the whole trading thing. You know, people can complain about not having dusting and, and deck swapping. And that those are legitimate complaints because we have the Hearthstone model. You have the Eternal model. You know, just I, I say those people do the math on it. You know, um, you can go and dust all of your common cards, you know, and that you're never going to spend and then maybe buy an uncommon or a rare with it. Um, but I, I think we get that now through wild cards. I, I think that opening wild cards in packs, not the vault, and not dusting or destroying your fifth copy of something for vault progress. No, I mean, the wild cards we get in packs now, I would wager that you come pretty close to getting the cards that you would get if you had dusting available to you from you wild cards alone. You don't have to play that awful mini game. I know, but I bet you if you sat down and did the math, I bet you that it would be very close, except maybe on the mythic side, but definitely on the common and uncommon and rare side. I bet you that... Um, that out of all the cards you want to destroy, and if you did that same four to one model, um, and then also being able to go up rarities, so like however many commons you think should be an uncommon twenty, um, I bet you that you have earned enough wild cards to make up for that without having to destroy your collection. And my biggest argument about this being a big deal is that this would be a very valid criticism of MTG Arena if Magic Online had been shut down yesterday. But it's not. So all of the things that you're saying you want to be able to do in Arena, you can just do them in Magic Online. If you there want you to spend $200 on the deck and sell it later for as much as you can get back, you can still do that. Magic Online ain't gone. I had no problem getting in standard matches today. Have you had any trouble drafting on Magic Online? Nope. Do you anticipate that no one will ever draft on Magic Online again once draft goes up on Arena? No. Yeah, it, it's gonna be there. And I think at the point, if if it ever disappears in the future, everyone will be happy about it except for some grumpy person in their basement. And you know what? Get over it, man. Like, in, enjoy your reserved list copies. Like, you should have invested in Microsoft, but you got me. There you go. Do you want to spend a couple of minutes looking at this uh, starter deck since we were talking about it earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to wrap up the, the episode here with this. So... um I'll, we can post a link in the show notes, maybe specifically to the starter deck, and we can talk about the, the premise of the deck. So um, so this is a deck that I was encouraged to build when I opened a, uh, a Temet, uh, Vizier of the Anointed, I think is that what his name is? Timot. No, not Vizier, Vizier of the Anointed is a different card. Anyway, I opened Temet, which is the the, the blue-white embalm uh, legendary creature that makes your, uh, your tokens unblockable, or one of your tokens unblockable every combat. And what I was encouraged to do is is build a, a blue-white um, tokens deck out of it. Basically, um, exploiting the graveyard uh, shenanigans that you can get with the Bomb and Internalize to play under counter spells and also get more value uh, when your opponent is casting 1-to-1 removal spells or 1-to-1 counter spells on you. And I hadn't opened many packs at this point. I'd maybe opened 
15 packs like the the 12 starter packs we got and then a, a handful of packs that i had earned from from my from my early play in, in the the start of the week and what i sat down to do is, is i sat down to build basically whatever i could out of eternalize and embalm and noticed that i had a lot of these in the starter collection so in the starter collection you start with a green white tokens deck which has sacred cats anointer priests adorned pouncers uh sun scourge champions i believe maybe those aren't in that deck regal character one of them is uh angel of sanctions um uh the crested sun mare which is the the horse that makes uh indestructible horse tokens which is great um and then it had some removal it had a cast out ixlands binding deserts hold um and then it had an anointed procession so in the the base green white deck um which was mostly cats um and cat tokens but also some additional tokens with with some extra value in there what i did was as i stripped out everything that i could in white that made a token and then jammed in a couple of blue cards that I had just kind of kicking around. And um, what I ended up with was a good starter deck that was missing a few key pieces um, that that could exploit Anointed Procession and get these tokens back from the graveyard. Some of the key things that I added with, uh, with wild cards that I had is I looked at Champion of Wits, because hot damn, that's just a value card, and it goes in basically any blue deck that you play. Or, or it can go in any blue non-merfolk deck you could play. Um, I got another Adorn Pouncer because a 4-4 Double Striker is great. And then what I looked at is I put Timid in there, obviously. But I also looked at the Avon Wind Guide, which is like, sweet, I just need a win con. I'm just going to stick this Avon Wind Guide, which gives all of your tokens Vigilance and Flying. So the goal of that deck was basically stick as many creatures as I can in case I'm playing against Mono Red. Anything that goes to the yard or gets countered, I try to get out basically whenever I need to. So if I'm playing against Mono Red, I'll get the Sun Scourge Champions back to get life gain as soon as I can. Uh, if I'm playing against uh, Control, I'll try to bait out a removal spell or two with some other creatures first, and then I'll try to stick my big 4-4s or my 4-4 Double Striker. Um, all along the way, I'm just basically trying to bide my time until I can stick an Anointed Procession or just whittle them down with one ones and one threes and, and try to get as much damage through that way. I've spent some uncommon cards uh, on Ixlan's Binding and Cast Out because those are great. I was playing Baffling End at the time, which was also great, and those have now switched to um, what's it called? Seal Away, which has been it's been pretty good too. So all in all, I think I spent one mythic wild card on another Angel of Sanctions because that card is great when you double it. I spent two or three rare wild cards on champion of wits and anointed procession i may have opened one or two of those and then i spent five or six uncommons on my sun surge champions my ixline binding cast out um, and a vizier of many faces which was actually key to the deck as well so just using my starting collection and a handful of wild cards which you earn just by opening packs right or your first vault you can easily build this deck and I had a competitive deck that was crushing blue-black control. I went for a week and a half without losing to Scarab God once. And, and that felt really good. Um, it has good game against Mono Red. It has good game against um, any kind of like aggressive strategy Merfolk sometimes struggles with. And the only deck it really sucks against is Blue-White Approach. Um, because they play Subtle the Wreckage and you're like, great, I can't win now. But all in all... This deck is very encouraging for a starting player, and it gives you a good target to kind of focus on. 
that gives you a deck that if you can play it and pilot it well, you should be able to easily win 50% of your games and be competitive in the games that you're losing, which I think is key for a new player. Yeah. I, after you talked about this, I, I had a lot of people come in and ask me about it. And I went and built this deck with only the starter cards. So you'd mentioned you'd open some packs and you got some free packs when you started. They don't give you free packs when you start anymore. So I was just like, you know what? Let's just build this with only the cards you start with. I'm not going to add anything to it. And I built that. You start with, for example, one Champion of Wits. You start with an Adorn Pouncer. You start with a Sun Swords Champion. You start with a Vizier of Many Faces. You start with two Regal Caracals and a Glyph Keeper. You start with an Angel of Sanctions. You've got most of the cards you need for this when you just open the game. So I built that deck, played with it for two hours, and had a pretty good win rate with it. I wasn't crushing face, but I was doing really good against blue-black control. And if Mono Red didn't st stick a Rampaging Ferocidon, they couldn't keep up with me either. And this is legitimately a deck I'm scared of when I'm playing Mono Red, because it comes down to the turn I cast Raptor Jesus... If they Ixalan's binding it, I'm losing 100%. If they don't, I'm winning 100%. <laughs> like the whole card revolves around that. We're going to have standard soon, and Raptor Jesus is going to be banned. So I can only imagine this deck's going to get even better. So like, I, I would encourage people that are like, we need something that's more new player friendly. Dude, you've got it. You just need to go in and build it. It's funny that the blue-white deck that they start you with isn't this. It's terrible. And then the green-white deck is just not good enough. It's just a bunch of weird cats. But if you take all the white stuff from the green-white deck and the blue stuff from the blue-white deck and shuffle it together, you got a pretty good list. You're pretty close. And it's really encouraging, too. Um, and, you know, you can focus on buying card for this, cards for this and making it better, or you can just use this as your shell to earn your three to four wins a day that you need and then build something else, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is encouraging. So, and I, and I imagine those decks, those starter decks and your starter collections will get better as we go. So, you know, your mileage may vary in the future, but, you know, if this helps somebody new to the game build a deck, uh, we'll post the deck list on the show notes so you can check that out. Agree. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up there this week. So nothing but Arena Talk. We'll be back next week with Dominaria Talk. Uh, in the meantime, where can they catch you uh, streaming Arena this weekend? You can find me right now at twitch.tv slash Simulin. Uh, I'm on Twitter under the same name, just at Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. And we draft in for the next two days. That's just what we're doing. And I am at twitch.tv slash dcivilian. That's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. And Twitter the same. I've been jamming a ton of Dominaria this week and we'll do so next week as well. Uh, thanks to Mana Deprived and Face to Face Games for all the support and the host. And we'll catch you next time. Adios.